Hello and welcome back to the Making Same podcast. I'm the host, Dan Kelly, and this is the podcast Breaking the Stigma. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Daniel Jones. He's the founder of Aspire World, which is the UK's largest YouTube channel for autism education. With more than 500,000 subscribers across its platform, Daniel covers a wide range of tips and tricks for living with autism. Listen back to this episode, and I honestly think it's one of the best podcasts I've ever done. Dan does such a brilliant job of breaking the stigma of autism in a very open and honest way. Autism was a topic I knew very little about before the podcast. So it's great to hear how Dan obviously got diagnosed with autism. And he actually found out through his ex-girlfriend's mum when she asked him if he was on the spectrum. And we opened up about Dan's upbringing when he didn't realise he was living with autism his whole life. Here's what's coming up on this week's episode. By the way, I've got a lifelong developmental neurological condition called autism, and everyone has an opinion on it. Everyone's like, oh, my friend's kids got autism, and you're nothing like them, so you're doing really well. And it's all this kind of like pedantic crap. So it was like, oh, is, is Dan on the spectrum? And she was like, no, I don't. And I didn't know what I mean. I'd never heard of autism for that, right? I'd seen Rain Man, and I was about it, right? I didn't really know much about it. Didn't, didn't, you know, again, coming from my generation, it was never a thing that we spoke about. I thought the best decision was <laughs> to... Uh, Keep me in the classroom under lock and key. Oh, seriously, they'd lock the classroom from the outside with me in it and then go away for an hour and then come back. Myself, like if there was a fire in the school, I would have died. Very quickly, just before we jump into the podcast, whether you listen to this on your podcast platform or YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes every Monday morning. And the more followers I have on the podcast, the bigger guests I can get on. You can also support the podcast with Buy Me A Coffee. There's a link in the description if you want to find out more. With all that out of the way, let's jump into the podcast with Daniel Jones. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Make and Same podcast. So I'm joined by Daniel Jones and you're the founder of Aspire World. Would you like to do a bit of introduction to yourself and the audience if not come across your YouTube channel before? Yeah, sure. Um, so my, like I said, my name is Daniel Jones, but like most people know me as the Aspie World, which is um, kind of like my online handle, if you will. So it's the name of my brand, it's the name of everything I do. Uh, I'm an on- online social media digital influencer with like over half a million followers across my platforms. Um, and so, yeah, I, I create content on autism, ADHD, um, Asperger's syndrome, diagnosis, that kind of stuff for anybody and everyone who wants to kind of like 10x their experience at life being on the autism spectrum and having ADHD, but doing a way where it's like, you know, you can just kill it by listening to what I say. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's incredible. Obviously kind of see the audience you've grown as well. It's absolutely kind of like huge. If we go back to the very start, I thought it was quite interesting when I was kind of reading the story that obviously you didn't find about the diagnosis till later on in life. So when like going through, if you go back to like the, the very start and obviously going through school, was there like signs that obviously autism or kind of Asperger's as well? Yeah. I mean like a hundred percent, you know, so like I'm pretty old, like, okay. Okay. Sorry if I just insulted everybody, but I'm, I'm 36. <laughs> I'll be 37 this month in, in 15, in 14 days. I'll be 37. And like, I, you know, it, it, growing, going to school in like the late eighties, early nineties, especially primary school here in the UK or, or preschool, like, you know, there was no, no autism was very, r- relatively new diagnosis. You know, was no, nobody was really talking about it. It was, it was kind of unheard of where I lived. I live, I live in Wales as well. Kind of like the back and beyond. I yeah. live in Anglesey, which was quite rural back in the day. Um, so yeah, the, the, so the signs all the way through a hundred percent, you know, like, you know, I wasn't properly talking until I was like, you know, five, like I, w- I wouldn't talk to people. I wouldn't talk to my parents, like, uh, couldn't play outside, had what they thought was extreme agoraphobia, but it wasn't agoraphobia. Um, I couldn't, uh, couldn't read and write that well, uh, had little interaction with any friends. I only had one friend, uh, for a very long time, um, struggled terribly socially, um, developmentally in school, emotions were all over the place. My parents, I couldn't sleep on my own. Like it was just crazy. My parents had a hell of a time and they were too much to see all kinds of specialists, mm-hmm. but they just were like clutching at straws really. You know what I mean? They were like, Oh, I don't know. So yeah. No one really knew what was kind of going on really. And like you said, it, w- yeah. would you say back then as well, there wasn't really much awareness about it? I mean, oh, there, there was so nothing. Maybe, like, yeah. 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 I mean, maybe in America, cause you got to think it wasn't until 1980, uh, 1984, uh, a woman called Lorna Wing um, coined the term Asperger's syndrome after the research done in 1942 from Hans Asperger. So, you know, they didn't even coin the term until the mid eighties. 
And, you know, you got to think, I'm going to school in the late 80s, and this is in America. Yeah. I mean, pff, no chance. Like, you know, there was no way it was going to happen. So, yeah, it was, it was very little awareness. Yeah, and, and to be honest, if I was, like, super honest with yourself, um, I didn't really know too much about it. Like, I think, obviously, watching your videos, it's been, like, a real kind of, like, eye-opener. What were them kind of signs or them symptoms where you were younger? Like, was it like kind of social anxiety? Was that was that one side of it, or was it was it quite a few kind of like triggers? I mean, there's there's many different things. I mean, you know, if you go back to like like primary school is very understimulating um, because you know, well, school is understimulating because of learning types. We all have different learning styles, right? Um, but people on the autism spectrum have a specific difference in learning types where they'll, they'll look at things from more of a, uh, they'll want to be more kinesthetic in their learning, um, more hands-on, you know, so there's a lack of mass when you're learning something in education, which could help anybody, but especially people on the autism spectrum. And then the other thing is that, um, under stimulation, because the stuff they're teaching is, is at a very, you know, low pace because they're trying to make sure that every, you know, all 30 kids in the class are learning at the same speed. So they have to like get it to the lowest possible point. Right. So, so I was, I was really understimulated in school and this causes then a lack of, um, adherent behavior. So it was kind of like, you know, I was just quite distant in school. Um, and then obviously so having social anxiety, uh, for going out and playing with the other kids was just horrendous. I remember specifically, like I wouldn't go outside and play in school. I had, I had special requirements. I was allowed to stay indoors and, and look at like encyclopedias or I was able to look at, um, uh, very early computers, um, then, and just play about, you know, and, just, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so they knew there was, there was always something I know I was actually in the special education program in school, um, which was absolutely poor as hell. I mean, it was just like, I was going to say, in, was a support if I was a, was a no, kind of support at all really? They, no. Well, basically what it was, was kind of like that special education program was, um, I mean, it's really, it really does show my age and shows the age of, of kind of like progression as well. So it basically was a, uh, every, every other hour I would be taken out of class and taken to the library. Uh, and there I'd be there on like a one-to-one basis with a, another teacher, but she wasn't a specialist in anything and trying to teach me how to speak and, and read and write, um, mm. to get me up to speed. It was basically trying to speed you up, right? Because they were like, well, this person's yeah, obviously yeah. behind and why is this and what is going on and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it, it, it was, a, it was a really interesting experience, but but they, they didn't really have, there was no real special education then. Um, there was one, the, the, where I lived, there was one, one special school here, but obviously it was more like physical and um, uh, physical disabilities or global learning delay kind of disabilities, you know, stuff that's been around since the, the dawn of time had been recorded. Okay. So it was really, it was, it was a struggle, you know, it was, it was excessively difficult. Every day was a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I, mem- I remember like, even like my personal experience going through school, I, I had, struggles a little bit with my kind of learning disabilities and I think this one thing I just still remember it to today which sounds like silly but like you had to have like certain grades to play the violin and they kind of segregated like the people with the higher grades and I remember just going through it was like I don't know like they kind of like I felt singled out in some ways and I was like, well, you can play the flute but you can't play the violin. (laughs) Was there any kind of was there any kind of moments where where I don't know it was difficult and and obviously like trying to, trying to fit in and, and like you say, um, and obviously kind of that kind of like feeling and that emotion. Like. Well, you know, there's, there's one experience. I'll tell you one, one experience. Um, so they couldn't take me swimming, you know, schools back in the nineties, they'll take the kids out swimming. Cause a lot of the schools didn't have swimming pools in them. They weren't as fancy as they are today. Uh, they're not just like where you, where you live, but obviously definitely not where I live. They didn't have any swimming pools in the school. So they'd take us out because they couldn't take me out because I wouldn't go outside to play in the yard of the school. So how are they going to get me into a bus and take me swimming, right? It wasn't going to happen. So the school thought the best decision was <laughs> to keep me in the classroom under lock and key. No, seriously, they'd lock the classroom from the outside with me in it and then go away for an hour and then come back. So let me put this, and I wrote about this in my, in my book. I've got a book coming out in September um, on Hay House Publishing in the UK, which is, Hay House is a huge, huge UK publisher. Um, and my book is called Autism, Autism for Adults. And it's kind of like a guide for kind of like how I navigate 26 years of being undiagnosed and how I can, how, what, how I can create a future that really kicks ass, you know? And so, and, and I talk about a specific instance and I think to myself, like if there was a fire in the school, I would have died. And then I think to myself, if there was, I could have just gone to the drawer, taken scissors out, like, you know, and, and you're going back, I was about five, six, maybe six years old, seven years old. And there's like no adults with you. There's like few nobody. Nobody in the class, just me. So bad. Yeah. And they locked me in the classroom. Um, 
I mean, that's what it was, you know, back in the day, it was a little bit kind of rough and ready. I mean, like I survived, obviously, yeah. but I mean, you know, it didn't, I didn't, it didn't really dawn on me until I look, look back at the time it was a relief. You know, this is why I spoke about my book at the time. I was like, Oh, thank God I'm safe. Nobody's going to open the door because I can't because the teacher who's got the key is like a few miles away in a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody else is not in the classroom. I can just finally relax into this moment, you know, and sit in the mm. beanbags in the school and library and just chill. And it was just so cool. Like it was, it was great, but the school's not even there anymore. They knocked the school down. So, you know, even yeah. someone when the book comes out, it's not like incriminating or anything. Yeah. <laughs> you, know you, can't, you can't kind of like come at him now kind of thing. Like. No, no, I would never well, anyway. I mean, they were trying yeah. their best, I guess. So, Yeah. Like you said, there's like, when there isn't like any awareness around it, like, yeah. it, obviously they wasn't, <laughs> I mean, they can't, imagine doing that now, I think. <laughs> oh, geez, <laughs> um, I mean, you, like, you wouldn't get yeah. away with it. There's no, there's no way. I think like, yeah, yeah I mean, like, you know, you think if, if someone was trying to do that, like if you try, if you, you wouldn't even think about it, but if a teacher said, I'm going to lock a child in a classroom now, I mean, it's just, I mean, the school would be shut down. Yeah. I mean, like everyone would lose their job. There'd be a whole, like, there'd be a march about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> people would yeah, be, be on Daily Mail. Yeah. yeah. It'd be everywhere. You know, everyone <laughs> so be doing TikToks about it. Primary school, lots kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. So like, I think, you know, you can't like nowadays and age is harder to do things like that because there was no mm. internet back in the day. You know, there was, there was nothing. And so I think, it was just something, and again, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how, like, you know, if you have this kid who's extremely yeah. difficult to deal with, like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like difficult, yeah. difficult time, man. When, when was that kind of, when did you finally kind of find out then? So obviously you've gone through like your, your kind of your teen years and obviously prime school, yeah. go like just managing and, and kind of getting by. When was it, when there's like that first indication where someone said, oh, like, have you thought about this? Yeah. So, um, so, cause, cause autism is a developmental condition. Um, it kind of like has this, uh, you know, the, it's in stages when you're a kid, kind of it's, it's one certain intensity when you're a teenager, it's a different intensity. And as you get into a, a young adult or an aging adult, um, it has a different intensity. Uh, and with that comes different responsibilities, rules and all this kind of stuff. And so one of the, um, one of the, the main things is that I, I kept breaking my hands. Like I, I, cause I have an like, immense emotional outburst and I punch things like I've damaged my knuckle completely here. Like I just, you know, just, um, with no actual out, you know, uh, nowhere to, to lash out, you know, I didn't have like a punch bag in the house, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to the gym back then. And so I was breaking bones left, right and center. Um, you know, it was disrupting my work. I couldn't go to work. I was on antidepressant pills. I was trying, I was like seriously losing my mind. Like what on earth is going was on? Was that you your know? darkest moment? Would you say? Um, then them kind of years, like teenage years, or was it, the, was it more the, so when you got to that? No, I think that the darkest moments, uh, was just before the lockdown happened actually. Um, and I will get to that in a minute, but, um, but in terms of, um, what happened is when I met my, my partner who I'm with now and we, you know, we have kids and stuff. Um, when I met her first, her mother was a, is a mental health nurse. Right. And so her mother was like, Oh, is, is Dan on the spectrum? And she was like, Oh, I don't, and I didn't know what I mean. I'd never heard of autism for that. Right. I'd seen rain man and I was about it. Right. I didn't really know much about it. Didn't, didn't, you know, again, coming from my generation, it was never a thing that we spoke about. And then, um, my girlfriend actually, she was doing a degree in childhood studies and development in autism, which is really interesting. That came the year after I met her. Um, and so, so what happened is, um, she was like, Oh my God. Like, and you know what funny, the funny thing that happened was she was watching, uh, the big bang theory <laughs> and yeah. uh, she was like, all of these people are my boyfriend rolled into one. Like what is going on? And then, and then her mom said, <laughs> that, all she these like, different characters. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then she would, but, but the, but the, in, the intensity of some of the people and then, cause one of the guys has got Asperger's right. And so, um, so she said to me like, Hey, maybe it's something we should look into because maybe they could help you with like certain techniques and stuff. I said, okay. So then, yeah, so that was it. We went to see, a specialist and they were like, yeah, you got Asperger's syndrome and ADHD and OCD and you're dyslexic obviously. And I'm like, Oh shoot. You know, like, well, dang. How many, it's like, how many tests, like what, what, what is the test? Like how do they kind of test it? Is it, there's like, what was the examinations? Well, like? You have two, there's like, there's two like interview type of tests. It's, it's split up into two parts. Usually, um, they're like, uh, they're like informal interviews or, or assessments. They call it. So they, they ask you questions, they ask you lifestyle questions and they, they assess how you are. And then you fill out these two kind of like questionnaire things. One's like a um, developmental uh, mental health one. And then the other one is a neurological um, called an AQ test, an Asperger quota test or an autism quotient test. And then they, and then you, you basically just says like rate, 
you know, would you would you go to a party or would you stay at home and read books and and you know research stuff? I'm like research every day, like you know, parties of losers, you know. And I and I do that like constantly. And I and so I and I'd, I'd answer these questions honestly, thinking like I've nailed this. I'm just like an average dude, right? Like just an average dude with a bit more intellectual heavyweight than the the, the typical person, right? I love I just love like nerding out and stuff. So I just thought I was a bit of a nerd. So then he come and I go, whoa, you know, you scored super high, and this this indicates Asperger. And then he did a, another thing, like he did like a brain scan to make sure that there's no kind of like uh, no short circuiting going on, basically, because uh, obviously being a neurological condition, it, you have certain, your brain maps a different way. So yeah, so they were they were the three parts to it, and um, and it was quite intense, you know, because you're you're being judged by somebody who knows more about you than you, but you're you're being interrogated really. They're looking at you through a microscope and being like, you tell me the truth, and you're like, uh, you know, it's, it. So it was scary. It was scary. I was going to ask, obviously. So they did all these did all these tests. What was like your initial reaction for someone saying, "Oh, you've got your dyslexic, you got Asperger's, and everything else"? Like, was it a bit of a shock? Was it a relief? Like, what was your kind of reaction? Yeah, it's really interesting because it was a, it was a blow. It was like, oh shoot, you know, like what does this mean? Like, what the, what is this? Um, and then you had to, t- and then, but then on the other side, you go, oh, I'm not just a, a massive weirdo. I'm actually, you know, on the spectrum and, and this has a certain kind of thing to it. And so it, it, it had a, it had a, a profound effect really, because it had, on one side, it was kind of relief being like, ah, cool. But then like on the other side, it was like, oh, um, what on earth is me? What, where do I go from here? What do I do? What kind of, what help is accessible, accessible to me? And, and so it was kind of weird. It was actually really weird telling friends and family, like saying, Oh, I had a diagnosis of like, cause you know, if you, if like, you know, if you get diagnosed with something like, I don't know, um, like a heart condition or like asthma or something, you'd be like, Oh, diabetes. You'd be like, Hey, I actually have di- diabetes. I was like really interested in it. But then you say to someone like, Oh, by the way, I've got a lifelong developmental neurological condition called autism. And everyone has an opinion on it. Everyone's like, oh, my friend's kids got autism and you're nothing like them. So you're doing really well. And it's all this kind of like pedantic crap. Yeah. And it's like, it's quite... Do, um, do you feel like people are a bit on like eggshells when you say the word autism? Like, because people are worried about you, you're offending someone by saying, I don't know, like what's... what's there's, there's, your, there's, a, yeah. there's two sides to it. The, the one On the one side, you have people who say like, oh, uh, they're really they're really kind of like, they get it. Like, oh, okay, that's cool. But then they, they kind of work, they're a little bit too... Um, patronizing about it, right? And and they kind of like, what's it like tiptoe around you? But they 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 kind of like, are you okay? Are you you know is that? And he's like, well, yeah, I can understand what you're saying. You know, I'm not I'm not verbally kind of inept. <laughs> like I I get what you're saying. And then yeah. um and then on the other hand, you get people being like, I don't think so. I'm like, well, it's not for you to decide. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. honestly, the amount of people you say, oh, they say, oh, you don't look like you're autistic. I'm like, well what the hell does that mean? Like, what, what are you talking yeah, about? What, what does it post all that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they'll, they'll, but they'll, cause they'll see a kid who has like maybe global learning delay and uh, profound learning disabilities and autism who, who is non, uh, nonverbal. Right. And they'll think that everybody who's autistic is like that. It's like, well, no, that guy has severe learning disabilities. Autism is a learning disability. It was a neurological condition that impacts people. So wait, you know, you wouldn't think Elon Musk acts like that. And he's got autism. He's the same diagnosis as me. You know what I mean? And he's the richest guy in the world. The guy's sending people to Mars, reinvented electric cars. Come on guys. Like building tunnels under LA. The guy's a beast. Like, um, Chris Peckham, another, another guy is on the Austin spectrum. Kanye West. Like, you know, these people are just like, your, your average people, but their but their brain works differently. So it's kind of like it's really interesting to see how people react to, to that. But so I think that's the only kind of like weird thing about telling people is wondering how they're going to react because they all, everyone has their own opinion on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was I was going to ask that. Like, was was there anyone you could look up to at the time? Is it was it until afterwards you did all your research that you kind of found these celebrities or people like oh my like, like you say who yeah you know so much that yeah. A hundred percent. Like when I when I was diagnosed, I I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. And like, this is why I started my channel because I went on YouTube because I learned by video, right, and and audio. So I went on YouTube, and I was like, oh man, there's nothing on there. There was nothing on there. So I was like, I'm the, I was the first ever autistic influencer talking about autism online. And I inspired all these other kids. It's crazy. It's amazing. And I see all these people doing these things. I'm like, wow. But you know, um, it was it was because of that. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know any celebrities. I didn't know what the term was. I had to really educate myself on my own condition. And that was really weird because I know myself, but I don't know why myself, you know what I mean? Like, why am I doing these things? Mm. Yeah. So it was really, it was really interesting. Yeah. I was going to ask you like what the difference was, um, between autism and 
Asperger? Because they are different, yeah. aren't they, in terms of like someone who has autism to someone who has Asperger? So, well, okay, I'll, I'll clear it up. And it's really, it's really good you've, you've asked that question um, uh, because from someone who doesn't know, it seems like they're completely two separate things. They're actually, they're actually exactly the same thing. And the reason I say that is because up until 2013, uh, Asperger's was a separate diagnosis. Asperger's syndrome, which is part of the autism spectrum, and then you have autism, which accounted for something called classic autism. Now, classic autism would refer to somebody who is nonverbal, completely zoned out. You cannot, you know, converse with them. They're not going to be able to communicate with you in the way that you think typically. But people with Asperger's syndrome would be um, quite intellectually um, able, uh, verbally able, but unusual in their ability to exist. Uh, is but it, what is happens it, is, is it like high, high, high sorry, so high, yeah, is it like yeah. high IQ as well in terms of someone who's, yeah. Typically, yeah. So this is what, so what, so, we, so when you think of autism spectrum, you got people, so if, if like, you know, severe issues are down here and less severe issues up here, Asperger's is kind of here, then you have ADHD and then you'll have like, I don't know, anxiety disorders. Like if you think of like, you know, mm. the severity of something and then you have like, um, and then you have like more serious, uh, concerns, health concerns with autism as you get lower down this kind of, this, this spectrum thing. Right. And so they used to call it high functioning and low functioning autism, but that kind of got a bit weird because people will say, well, yes, I may be high functioning in my ability to converse, but I'm low functioning in my ability to actually operate and get a job or, or clean the dishes or cook a meal or wash my clothes and you know, all that kind of stuff. So they were like, Oh, mm. So they took the term Asperger's away. They took the term classic autism and low function, high function. They just said, okay, it's all autism spectrum disorder, just ASD, and that's it. So I had a reevaluation of my uh, diagnosis last year, and they changed it from Asperger's to just ASD. So it's just autism spectrum disorder, and that's it. So, so Asperger's is autism because it is an autism spectrum disorder, but it's kind of like a level of autism. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, thanks for explaining that because I... Yeah, when I was like trying to research, I was like, is it the same thing? Is it like, yeah, so that's, yeah, definitely kind of like cleared it up. How come you went yeah. for more tests? Is that just to just see, um, you kind of mentioned, yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur now because like starting YouTube and social media, you have to like do, you have to do everything. Like you have to do all stuff. And I'm just, I love online businesses and, and marketing and, and sales and I love this stuff. So, um, so I was setting up a, a company called um, Awesome Diagnosis, uh, which was a website where you could have clinical diagnosis virtually, uh, completely legit. And so I had to test it. This is how I got the updated diagnosis. So I tested it. Um, uh, we're still in the process of legal stuff. I mean, it takes forever, but I mean, yeah, that was, that's what I was doing. So yeah, I was setting up a business and, and that's why, yeah, that's why I had the real diagnosis. Has it been like a bit of like a superpower some way? Now you know what the diagnosis is in terms of like, are you kind of like very hyper-focused at times? Dude, like I, I could tell you some stuff. Let me, let me give you some examples. Um, I have a degree in chemistry, uh, and I did that because I was bored. Um, and, <laughs> right. and I love, I love learning stuff like that. You know what I mean? I've mm. written two books, um, by speaking to my phone and this is, this is no word of a lie. My, my book that I've got coming out in September, um, I wrote that book in two weeks and I wrote it by running on a treadmill and talking to my iPhone. So I have to do two things. So because I obviously have ADHD as well, I have to do things. So when I'm learning stuff, I, I, I only read, but so I only consume books by listening to audiobooks. And I do this by going for a run and listen to an audiobooks on two or 2.5 times the speed you would listen to it normally because my brain is working so fast. I have to do it. For, so when I'm watching YouTube videos, I'm always like, they're always like 1.5 to two times the speed because I need to digest it quickly. And so, yeah, in a way it's kind of like, it's, um, it's an advantage in some ways, you know, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know if it's superpower. People do call it superpower, but I don't have a superpower. Cause I mean, like, you know, I, I, I'm like allergic to every kind of like leaf going, but like in terms of like, you know, uh, and I can't, like this, I, I did a post on this, a brilliant post on this. I put a picture of me out on a run and I said on Instagram, and I said, look guys, how weird is autism? Okay. I've got a degree in autism. Uh, sorry, I don't, I have a degree in, um, chemistry yet. I can't be in a room with a cut onion or a cut garlic clove. Right. So it shows that the, the difference of, 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 you know, of how my brain works, you know what I mean? Like, and it's so bizarre. So you'd say, yeah, superpower, you could do a degree in chemistry and like, you just do it for fun. Or you wrote a book in like two weeks. It's like, yeah, I can write a book in a week if you wanted to, like it's easy peasy. But also 
what can't I do? I can't cook onions. I can't cook garlic. I mean, they're the basis of yeah. all foods, right? So it's like, oh my God. How, have you really struggled with kind of work-life balance? I know you've got a kid now as well. How have you, how have you found that? Because my girlfriend though goes mad at me, be like, right, stop talking about the podcast now. Because uh, it, it's always on your mind and, and you, can, you can't even mention like YouTube channel bit like a baby because you've, you've kind of seen it grow into this yeah. huge channel and reach so many people. Yeah. How do you find that balance? I mean, it was difficult. It's, it's difficult because like I'm, I'm very black and white. People on autism spectrum are very black and white thinkers. It's either on or it's off. Right. And I, I, I'm obsessed with my work. I love growth. I love, I, and let me tell you, I put four videos on every social media platform every day out. Okay. So I'm having four videos every day on all social media platforms, right? This is how you grow fast. This is rule one. You have to be relevant. You have to have massive impact. If you want massive output, you have to have massive input. So you want to dominate a sector, you need to dominate it. You need to do it. You know what I mean? Nothing happens from sitting down and wishing. You have to go out and what are you willing to do? And I'm willing to sacrifice everything I have to go out full ham. Unfortunately, that comes at a, at a, at a cost that your family then go, Oh, you know, we want family day. We want to hang out. You know, you're, you, you're self-employed. You should get, have some perks, right? So it, there was a, there, there's been many discussion and it's an, it's an evolving thing because your, your responsibilities and roles as an entrepreneur change over time. Like when I was first, when I first started, I was breaking even, right? And like, you know, I was just about paying for the rent, just about hard food. And now- How many years bought, ago was that? Like uh, 2018. 2018. Um, so that's when your yeah. first video came out on- YouTube. Oh, well, the, f- the first video came out in 2013, but I didn't take it seriously until, until 2018. Um, oh, and then, yeah. and then, so between 2018, and 2019, between there, I took it full time. And, you know, back then I was just making ends meet. And so like, it was, it was different. The responsibilities were just as high because you had to still get that input, but the things I was doing, I, I wasn't doing as many. But if you fast forward to now I'm running, like I run like four different websites um, I coach businesses, I coach individuals, I run all the social media. We're putting out, putting out about a hundred pieces of content a day. Um, and then I, you know, we have, I have a big house, I bought a big house, you know, so that you pay for this big house. I have a, like a, you know, two car drive and a gym and in the house and I drive a Tesla. And so you got all these things that are like mega kind of like pressure when you look at it and you go, Oh my goodness, I have to keep this thing afloat. But then you also have like, I have a kid, I have a kid on the way have a partner who cares about me, I have family, you know, my mum and dad and things like that. And then I have friends. And, and so it's kind of like, how do I balance all this out? And, and you, you literally just have to say, okay, I'm going to block the time. I'm going to fill my calendar up. And those people are part of my plan. And you just have to put them in there. You say, okay, I'm going to work, you know, 6am till 10am or 6am till 9am, like I'm doing today. Um, and, uh, it's nine, sorry, 6am till 9pm every, you know, every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But then the other days I'm going to do half days and I'm going to take those half days with my family. So you kind of have to like really, really think about how you, cause, cause those things are part of your plan. Like your business is your life because it's part of like, this is my life's work. So it, it is part of my life. So how am I mapping out my life? I'm not just mapping out work life balance. I'm, I'm mapping out my entire life because my, my work is my life. You know what I mean? So yeah. if, if you think about it like that and it, it kind of like, you go, oh, okay, cool. But the thing is I never really stop working. You know, I'm always on my phone and I have my phone yeah, with me yeah. and I try well, you to love it as well. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's a passion. Like you always, you want to kind of see it succeed. Have you experienced kind of like burnout then? Have you ever experienced it where you have done too much and you've, oh, you've had to take time, time away? Like, I, it, I was telling you like the, the darkest time of my life probably was, um, I, I'd come back from, I come back from America after doing like, I was, I, I actually uh, pioneered the first ever autism and ADHD talk in VidCon, which is like the biggest video convention in the world, right? So in, in LA, yeah. So um, so I was there in 2018 uh, and I was t- hanging out and networking. I was invited over YouTube. So in 2019, um, we spoke to the, I spoke to the owners, Hank Green, and we said, look, we need, you know, it's one in, what it was, back then it was one in 60 kids. In 2019, in 2019 one in 60 kids had autism in America. Now it's uh, one in 33 kids in the US, right? That's crazy, right? And so I said to him, look, one in 60 kids coming through your your convention are on the spectrum. They got nothing to relate to. We, we need to put this panel together. So we did. We pioneered it. It was absolutely great. So I come back from America on this huge high, doing all this kind of crazy shit. I'd been to um, MIT as well, and I graduated from MIT with a, a, a disability social media influencing management leadership course, which was just fucking crazy. And then all of a sudden, I you know, I come back and... Um, I was supposed to be on a TV show 
um, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've read anywhere online. I was supposed to be on a TV show. So I was, I was, I was cast for a TV show and I'd been paid a bunch of money. I did all the adverts for channel four. I did everything, did film loads of stuff. And I was playing number one for a game show called the circle. And then they, they kind of just three days before going in, my executive casting producer phoned me and she was like, we're pulling you from the show because they want to play it safe. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And what it, what it was is, and the same thing, it, it ha- this happened a few times. They don't want to represent autism on, on my, they don't want to take the risk of showing autism on a reality TV show because I feel they feel like they're going to get crazy backlash from this. It could be cancel cultured, cancelled. So no one okay. wants to take that risk. But by not taking that risk, then no, nobody sees autism. They don't get that scope of They're never going to raise I mean? awareness. Yeah. No. And, like, and yeah. yes. So yeah, drop from the show. Like, and I paid like my team to work for me for the next kind of like six weeks or so. So it was just crazy. So I just spiraled into this horrible burnout, like lull. And my mood was like dog crap, man. Like I just, and I had this little baby um, and he had, he was really, really sick. Like he couldn't sleep and like, it was just, it was just horrendous. And so I was just like, wow. And that's when I f- decided that I needed medication. So I actually went onto a medication to help emotional regulation for ADHD. Um, and, but it, it got better from then on, but yeah, so that has been, that was, pro- that was super, super bad. I mean, like it was crazy, but yeah. then lockdown did, happened. So it was like, it's like one thing after another. Did you have to, did you speak to therapy? How did you get out of it? Obviously you mentioned medication, but was it, was the other things like exercise or other th- I don't know, any, anything which you felt kind of helps you to kind of get through it. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that I did. Like I'm not, I, let me tell you, I'm not a religious guy, but I'm a spiritual guy. So I did spiritual counseling with, uh, some people who was, who were pre- very well versed in this. And I did some self-exploration stuff, some like Buddhist stuff, if you will. Uh, and that really, really helped like that. Just that changed my whole perspective on reality. And then I was like, wow. Oh, really? But yeah, I, I mean, mean what, like, what, what changed for you then? Obviously, cause that's quite interesting. I love to kind of delve into that. And in terms of like, your perspective, like what do you feel you might change the most? You know, like it, it's hard to explain, but like, it, you know, in life we, we go through life and we, we believe that life is happening to us, right? All these things happen. So it's like, I've got this happening or that happening. And oh, it's like, why do bad things happen to good people and all this shit? And then you real, and then you, you come to a realization or a cognition as they called it in this, this type of therapy, they, you come to a cognition where you, you realize life is happening for you. And everything that is happening is to teach you something and to show you and guide you in a way and to, to get you down the path that God or the universe or whatever you took has laid out for you. Right. And then you're like, Oh shoot. Like, Oh, light bulb moment. And, and they, they do these things called koans. So in Buddhism, they got these things called koans. I don't know if you've heard of this. And they say like, what's the sound of, no, no. They say like, um, the, the most, the first, the original koan was what's the sound of one hand clapping. And they ask you this question, what's the sound of one hand clapping? You go, I don't know what I go, okay, what's the sound of one hand clapping? So you have to answer. So what happens is you can't find the answer. What you're doing is you're digging down inside yourself and you'll pull out something that's relevant because whatever your mind's spitting back at you, your mind is telling you to take note of. And so they did this one with me. They were like, um, tell me the difference. They were saying, um, oh, th- just some amazing cognitions I had. I had one where they said, uh, we were doing one on, um, on forgetting and remembering right? This is crazy. They said, they said, what's the difference between forgetting and remembering? I said, well, you remember something, you can recall it. But if, if you forget something, you go, oh, I, I can't, I, I've gotten rid of it. I've forgotten it. That's what it But then I was like, and then, so we did this kind of like, we do this, this pro, this rundown process where they teach you these things. And then they ask you again at the end, they say, tell me the difference between forgetting and remembering. And I go, wow, there is no difference. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, the cognition I came to, like the realization I came to was that to forget something, you have to know it in the first place. You are choosing to say, I want to forget that. Yeah. So to remember it is to say, okay, actually I will access that memory and I will think mm-hmm. about that. There is no difference. Imagine, there is no forget. Yeah. I imagine people with trauma as well. They, they, they bury like memories. Like, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's there, but then they, they you just don't access it. Cause obviously they don't remember exactly. it. Yeah. But I, I came like to another one. Bot, so, yeah. yeah. I think the, the, the biggest one that changed everything for me. Right. And you're going to love this. Um, we did this thing called life repair and it was like a, uh, they, they were doing this thing like, uh, problem solving, like problems, like tell me what a problem is. Um, 
and then you go through the stuff and you, and you, you, and then they ask you to think of a problem, think of a solution, think of a problem, think of a solution. And you go through all this stuff and you're like, okay. okay. And then they say, what's a problem? And I go, geez, I just had the realization. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a problem. All we have is a potential towards a solution because a problem can only exist if the solution exists because it's the opposite, right? Everything has to be light without dark. You can't have it the other. So a problem exists because we know exactly what the solution is. So what do we have? Do we have a problem or do we have the potential to solve an issue? So I was like, dang. So now my life, I don't have problems. I have met many potentials towards solutions and I've, and I spent my time solving these solutions. I was going to say that's probably helped your business quite a lot. If your mindset is now completely different. Yeah. Immense dude. Like, and I feel spiritually more energized. Like I know who I am. Like I, uh, I know, you know, I know the important things in life. Like it's crazy. It resonates you. it makes you, it just, yeah. I don't know if you've ever had therapy, but like, you know, when you come out with therapy and you're like, oh man, I feel great. It's like that, like all the time because you're like, you're so pumped. You're like, dang, I've cleared all yeah. this rubbish. You know what I mean? I've had a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find another therapist at the minute. Cause, um, I think like, I don't know, I, I'm a bit of an overthinker. There's a lot of stuff in my mind and, um, I think yeah, it'd be good too. to have that person to kind of offload, yeah. <laughs> offload yeah, yeah. all this stuff, which is on playing on my mind. Um, I was going to say like, I've, I've recently got into, I'm trying to read more and be more kind of productive. Is, is there any books, what you read, which have had a significant kind of influence on your life? Oh, dude, I, do you know, <laughs> I, 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 do you know, the average person digests less than one book a year, less than one book a year, right? I just digest about, I don't know, I'd say four a month. And one of the best books I, yeah, yeah, dude. And like one of the best books I just, I just completed, um, there's two. One is called Let Go by a guy called Pat Flynn. And these are all business-related books, right? Um, but but they're business business and transforming books. Like it's it's to do with life. It's to do with entrepreneurs. It's like people in our position changing their life, but it, but beasting their business at the same time. Like it, it's very interesting. So Let Go by Pat Flynn, and the other one was the Ten X Rule by a guy called Grant Cardone. Have you heard of Grant Cardone? I don't think I have to be honest. Dude, this guy is like unbelievable like my, i have like every book going on marketing business um uh sales like you can think of but and, and grant cardone's one of the big guys you know he's a billionaire um you know owns a private jet like this guy's crazy he's like tony robbins grant cardone that kind of guy you know what i mean yeah yeah um, I know tony robbins so, yeah yeah tony robbins a, a bit again tony robbins a business guy oh, gee, uh there's a there's a documentary uh called i'm not your guru on netflix by tony robbins have you seen it I've not seen that. No. Holy sm- dude. Like I, I shit you not. That will change your life. Watch it. Watch it, man. Right. I'll watch it tonight. I'll get it up on YouTube. Cause I, I'm obsessed dude, with YouTube yeah. and I'm always like listening to podcasts and I'm I, I reading a book recently. Um, it got recommended through is a guy on a podcast called Danny and he's an actor, but he's a mental health advocate. Um, and it was actually another, I had him on this podcast, but it was on another podcast. He said he got recommended a book. It was called Tuesday with Morris and it's about a professor and he's dying and his old student reaches back out to him 20 years later. And every Tuesday, um, the student sits down with his professor who's dying with ALS. So like his nervous system's all oh, wow. yeah. going down. Um, Luke and every Garrick's Tuesday syndrome, they have, what's that? Sorry. Is that Lou Garrick's syndrome? I'm not too sure. Like it, it just said ALS um, in yeah, the book. Sure. It didn't go into, yeah. Sorry, I'm obsessed and, with um, something. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And uh, every, 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 every Tuesday they do like a different session. So like one session would be about life. One session would be about dead. Um, one session would be about greed. One session would be about like relationships. So it's, I've, I've only just got into it. So and at the minute, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm up to the bit where it's kind of, it's broke down kind of the story of what, what happened. And now it's getting into all these like different life lessons. lessons. But yeah, wow. it's fa- it's fascinating. Yeah. Because I'm always like, if you can learn from someone more experiencing you, always been through it all, then why not kind of thing. Like. There, there was a book I, I actually read, because I've read very few books, as in like read a few books. I mean, I've listened to many, many books. There's a book that I'd read years ago uh, called uh, How to Become a Buddha in Five Weeks that is just insanely good. Like it really is good. I don't know if you've come across the book before, but it's great. It's written from a Buddhist. Um, and they're so funny. Buddhists are so funny people. Like they just, they just like to have a laugh all the time. Like they're, they're the first people to take the piss out themselves. Yeah. They'd love it. They just, they just like to laugh because but yeah, Buddhists are, people think Buddhists are the serious people, but they're so funny. Like they just, yeah. they, 
if you, because they, from an outside perspective as well, yeah, they look like yeah. quite serious, like in the outfits. Yeah, it, it, because discipline can't, isn't discipline isn't isn't miserable. You know what I mean? Like to be disciplined is to be happy, man. Because we all have discipline. You know, we don't we don't just go and tank like six liters of vodka and just like pass out every night. We have a discipline to realize that that's stupid, right? But we're all having fun still. Life is still fun. We're all blessed with every day. When I wake up in the sunshine, I'm like, wow, what a blessed day. We've went with rain. I'm like, wow, thank God we got rain over there and no flowers. You know what I mean? Like, I love shit like that. Like, it, every day is a blessing. We should never take it for granted. You know, some people don't have the ability to wake up. Some people can't even open their f- eyes. I'm like, geez, man, you know, I'm so blessed. I have the. Do you know, let me tell you something. Do you know, do you know how the chances of you being a human are 400 trillion to one? Did you know that? You yeah. have more chance of not being alive many times over than you are having a human. Your experience right now is a fucking miracle, dude. Like, and that's powerful, man. That's powerful. Like, and I'm like, oh shit. Like, imagine I told you to bet your odds on something. You would never bet 400 trillion to one. Like you wouldn't. No. I mean, <laughs> they're stupid odds. Who would do that? You'd be like, dude, I might yeah. as well not. Like, save your money. But you know, we, yeah. and people throw their life away, dude. It's crazy. Look at that. Yeah. You're a miracle. You're a walking miracle. It's amazing. How is it like in your community? Because obviously you're very positive. Obviously you've got a very kind of positive mindset from kind of what you've kind of spoke about. Do some people in the community maybe a bit different? Because I've got a food allergy and some people with allergies feel like they're not as maybe positive as me. They're like, oh, I can't go on holiday or I can't do this. And I'm like, you can do it. Like, it's just like making sure that you have the confidence to kind of start yeah. that dialogue when you eat out in restaurants. How's that in kind of your community? Is it some people maybe don't have the same kind of mindset or without, I'm not trying to slander anyone. I just, I just thought it'd be interesting not. to kind no, of, no, uh, yeah. it's, it is a mindset thing. Right. And I think there's so many autistic individuals who are in a mindset of, Oh, you know, everything's shit because like, I can't find a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever. And like, I can't, uh, you know, hold down a typical job. I'm like, good. You know, who wants a fucking typical job anyway? You know, you, girlfriend and boy, girlfriends are sucking money anyway. So, you know, you know, boyfriends, yeah, they're always, they're, they just want cars and, and, you know, like, you know, there's, I, people, people look at the, the wrong side of things. Like I told you, people look and see a problem when they should be looking and seeing a potential towards a solution, you know? I, I, the other day I was like, geez, I've, I've eaten too much. Like I, I, I love running and, uh, and I, I work out all the time, but I also like eating. I love pizzas and like, I love like, you know, chips and stuff. So like, I would eat the sweets and stuff. And I'm like, dang, I got like major love handles. So I'm like, okay, discipline. And I go, okay, fine. Well, I don't have a problem here. What I got is a solution. It's exciting. Now I have to work out extra hard and eat extra clean. Cool. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like there's a solution. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, uh, but people, people are too quick to think that everything is happening to them because it's damaging them, but everything is happening for yeah. them. There's a, there's a reason why there's a blessing behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I always think like, like, like I don't know. I, my mindset is like, if shit happens, it's happened for a reason, and you, you kind of, for me, I try and learn from that and kind of take it forward. I really want to kind of touch upon, obviously, music because it's for me. It seems like has that been a big part of your life when you were younger? Huge, dude! Like, oh is my it, god, yeah. like where, where do you want me to begin, dude? Like, I, um, I mean, first album, like, what was the first kind of like song or musician which had an influence on you? The first. I mean, my first like wow with music was um, I think it was a mixture between Nirvana, The Offspring, and Blink One Eighty Two. I think when I heard those bands, I was just blown away. Like I was blown, and and I started listening to like Nirvana just before Blink One Eighty Two were like with were a thing. I was listening to Nirvana, right, and I was like, this is cool. Like this is like grungy kind of like punk rock. I didn't know what it was. Um, Nirvana blew me away, and then I heard like the American kind of like surf punk kind of you know, Green Day and Blink-182. And I was like, holy smokes. Like that just, I was just blown away. I was like, wow, these guys, this is fast, it's fun, it's hyperactive, it's ADHD, you know what I mean, in music. And I was like, this is me. Um, I think so, so to me, like, so Nevermind by Nirvana was like a huge eye-opener to me. Um, like that was a crazy good album. And then um, since then, I think like Blink-182's Enemy of the State was crazy good. Like, like I mean, just unbelievable. Um, but but I mean, like I'm, I'm like a super eclectic, so I'm a multi-musician. So I play a lot of different instruments. Um, I've played in bands like all over the world, like for many years. I mean, I, when I was 16, I joined an Elvis Presley tribute band, one of the biggest ones in the UK. And I was out every weekend uh, and I was getting paid 200 quid a night to play bass guitar for Elvis Presley. It was crazy good. You know, I played, I played the Matthew Street Festival in Liverpool, right? Which is, used to be a really big festival. I played there, it was 12,000 people. And that was live and that was crazy. Um, and then... Um, did you love that? Did, did, did you did you struggle with any kind of like social anxiety at that point in terms of like going out for like drinks with like 
like the band members, like how, how is that for you? Yeah, I a hundred percent did. Luckily for me, the guys who were in the band were like way older than me. They're my dad's age. My dad's a professional musician, you see. So my dad, that's what my dad does work. Okay. And he's still going. So he, like yeah. he plays guitar and he sings. So that's what my dad does. And so my dad's friends with these people who are these other musicians, right? You don't just, you're not a professional musician for not knowing other musicians. And so he was like, he, my dad was offered to play bass in this, this Elvis band, but he said, no, I'll let my son do it. He's way better than me. Cause I was like a bit better than my dad playing. Cause I'm obviously playing an artistic kind of like hyper-focusing. So then, um, so the guys in the band were like, were like a dad age. These are all dads. These are all like super old dudes. Um, and yeah. so they didn't want to go out. They weren't like, they were like, hey, let's go out and smoke drugs and like go find hookers. Like they weren't, <laughs> it was, that wasn't their thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't sex, yeah. drugs and rock and roll. It was kind of like, let's go have a nice steak, do a gig. And then like, I'll get the, get the hotel early, you know? And so touring with that band was amazing. I mean, we played the um, Liverpool Royal Court and I played a big theater in Preston. Um, I just played crazy venues, you know, like stuff I'd never dream of. And it was great. We sold out every night. It was, it was good. And I never got social anxiety because I was never, I was never in the audience. I mean, on stage is different lights in your eyes and you just play and you're in the zone. But, but like, backstage like i was always in the green room chilling out in kfc or whatever you know what i mean like and you get the roadies to get you something because it's easy you know what i mean like you don't you don't have to do anything you, you come out of the, the minibus or the, or the van or whatever and then you go straight to the gig and then you go back to the bus and you drive home and or you stay in a hotel or whatever um so yeah i had huge anxiety of doing these things but i was able to just kind of like and i shut down a little bit kind of like when i was when I was traveling, I kind of just go into myself a little bit and kind of just get through the travel and, and I, I just want to play the gig you know what I mean, and get paid <laughs> and so and then it was, that, that was it, you know, and it was cool. I mean, being on the road is, is great because most of the time when you're traveling on tour with a band or you're in a bus or a van or whatever, you're always, you're, you're awake and everybody else is asleep in the world. Like you're, you're just traveling through night. So everything's sleepy. You go to a gas station, like truck stops or whatever, you know, to get food and, yeah. and everyone's you, asleep. So it was great. Do you struggle with sleeping? I do. I terribly do. Like I, yeah. I find it really difficult. Like <laughs> the last two days, last night I had, uh, six hours sleep, which is pretty good. And then the night yeah. before I had four hours sleep, but I get up at six o'clock every day. Um, I wake in the night, um, intermittently, and then I have to write down ideas because my brain is going like a thousand miles now. I'm always thinking about yeah. like things like I never stop working. So I'm always working when I'm asleep, What's next? Um, yeah. which is a bizarre thing to, 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 to d- talk about, isn't it? Do you, how do you switch off? Would you say that's exercise or is it when you play music? Is, is that, is it that moment where you can finally kind of have, have time for yourself and not think about work or business. Yeah. You know, there's only, there's, there's two times when I don't think about work. Maybe one is oversharing, but intimacy with your partner. I don't think yeah. about work when I'm being intimate, which is really interesting because I used to, Yeah, I could never not, you know, uh, but now, um, I think, you know, now that I'm on medication, I think I can enjoy intimacy with my partner as it should be. But then also I think playing music is the only other thing that I can do where, where I switch off. Cause so when I'm working out, I'm listening to, to books and uh, like today, like I wrote, I was, I was on the treadmill and I was watching a video and writing down the notes at the same time to, to, to do this sales page. So it's kind of like, and it's hard because if you say to me like, Oh, you should go and relax. Like my relaxation is literally like, watching a documentary on something or, or watching an educational video or taking a course. Like I love taking courses. I love learning stuff. Like I have to be learning things. And this is interesting. If I don't learn, this is what happened. This is my mood. if I stop learning something, (laughs) crash and burn. Like I have to learn all the time. Like I have to learn. So I have to always learn something. Have you heard a bit, have you heard a BBC maestro? Sorry, say it again. Have you heard a BBC maestro where it's like different kind of, so I actually work for BBC My Show. Um, I do all their kind of the creative and kind of the ads for them kind of thing. But I'm, I feel so lucky because I'm constantly like part of my job is to actually watch the course um, yes, and then come yes. up with all the ideas around it kind of thing. I was no going to say with, 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 with you is, are you very, I say creative then? Do you find people on the autism um, spectrum like more creative than the average yeah, person you, would you say? Yeah, I think a hundred percent. Like I think they then they're not, it's not creative in the way like everyone can make a sculpture and art. I mean, some of them can, you know, some artistic individuals are really good artists and, and that's great. But I think it's, it's more than that. It's, it's the way of seeing something completely um, abstract to, to your typical thinker. So whereas somebody would see something like somebody would see, I don't know, a pen and, and think it has like one use, but then I look at a pen and I'm like, well, this could be, I could use it as a, like a prop. I could pretend that it's a cigarette in a, in a picture, or I could like, um, I can make, I can make something bigger out of a pen. 
Yeah, as in like you can draw an entire thing. This this is actually a gateway to a lot of things, you know. Um, I could use it as a as a tool to throw at somebody. I could actually, if it's magnetic or not, is it magnetic? I could actually like dangle it on a piece of string and pick up stuff with it. I could use it as a hook. I could bend this out. And there's so many things you can do. But like people don't think like that. The typical people don't think like that. People just see things as they are. They say it's a pen, it's a pen. But artistic individuals see stuff and they think, wow, what else can I do? What else can it do? What else is it going to do? And that's the creativity. That's what I mean. You know, like you could... I find a thousand ways to do things. Like my girlfriend says all the time, like she, she says, I'm the only person she's ever met that will use an iPhone to its max capacity. Like she says, like the stuff the iPhone does, oh. she's like, never knows. That was actually part, that was actually part of my questions. Cause, um, I wanted to know what was like, in terms of your productivity, what is the, the go-to app? What you use? I use notion at the minute to kind of plan guests and stuff. What's your kind of go-to app, which has really helped you. And maybe help me as well. <laughs> I was on Notion. I was a Notion guy, right? Notion oh, right. is like, it's like I have to code an entire website just to put my to-do list on Notion. And I'm like, I'm not about that. I haven't got time. <laughs> I effort, want something yeah. that's, yeah, I want something that's just set up and boom, Trello. Trello wins every time. Like my Trello setup is just, dude, it, it, so, so Trello actually integrates with, um, uh, Trello integrates with Notion. So you could have Trello card set up and then move them across the notion. But the cool thing about it is that like you can save websites off your iPhone as a Trello card. Um, like it just, it's, it's very good. It's, and it's free. Like, did you like, yeah, there's a paid version that I pay for cause I'm weird, but like there's a free version. The free version is insane. Like you wouldn't even, you don't need to pay for it. The only reason I pay for the extra part is cause I want like team members in there and I have like a, a large team of editors and stuff. So that's the only reason we have that. I was going to say with your team, has that really helped take the pressure off you so you can focus on other things? Because it wasn't until recently I was watching a video on YouTube and it was like, if you've got the money to do it, then... Because at the minute I do everything myself. I do the editing stuff, do the video. Yeah. Every now and then I might get a video editor. Um, but I feel like I should be doing more of it so I can focus on finding more guests. How, how have you found that in terms of like getting a bigger team and kind of... Yeah. Dude, like the best thing I ever did was outsource to team. Like, because what happens is I'd spend night, like the biggest chunk of my day was uh, scheduling guests appear on my show. Um, and then uh, editing videos because editing videos takes like forever. Like, I, who's, and, and this is something really interesting. Poor people sell their time. Rich people buy their time. So I, you have to think rich when you're doing anything in business. You have to think rich because you're not thinking rich why are you even in business? Right. You know what I mean? So I needed to buy some of my time back. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll hire an editor. So I have two, I had three editing teams up until recently. I have two editing teams now. So two editing teams and I, and I, and I do this, I go, right. Tomorrow's my filming day and I film everything. I spend a whole day filming. I film maybe like 20 videos, 30 videos. And I send them all on drive and I say, guys, edit this, get it back to me. SCP, and say, okay, cool. And that's it done. The only thing I do is I, you, I have you to film. So you film like rows of videos in one day. Like it 100%, just won't be one. Dude. Yeah. Like if you, yeah. if you, because that, that's maximum, because I, I, what's easier, right? Blocking out one day to spend six hours shooting content or trying to fit it into your workday somewhere. I'd rather miss a day of work and just shoot a ton of videos and send them over. And I just prepped the whole thing. I prepped like I dude, And this is no way of a lie to supercharge my talent channel. Do you know what I did? I, I filmed 120 videos. I sent them over to the editor. He edited 120 videos and I scheduled a year and five months worth of content. Like seriously. And then I had a year and five months to build a, a sales funnel, build a course, build a membership website, build uh, download packs for my audience, make a coaching plan, coach people, coach businesses on how to grow social media. You know, like it, the, Again, you, a rich person buys time, a poor person sells their time. And it's true, dude. Look, the time is finite. Money is infinite. Remember that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. I'll definitely t- take that forward now because I, I do, I do obviously want to, with the podcast, want to make it as big as I can kind of thing. But like at the minute, it just takes a lot of time. How, so yeah. how many episodes do you upload a, a week? It's one a week now. Um before I used to do like 15 episodes and stop for a few months, but at this year I was like, I want to do one a week for, yeah, as long as I can really. Um, so this is like six, 16 weeks in a row, I think at the minute. Do you want to know a secret? Yeah. I have a, I have, I have a podcast that's really big. I have like half a million downloads, right? Now yeah. my, my podcast, I have never ever sat down and recorded a podcast episode yet. My podcast is doing that well. How? 
because I repurpose the content for my videos and I share it on a podcast. That's not the key. I'm just telling you how much effort I put into it, right? None. I put out a video. I was putting out a video every day for a year. I put out a video every day for a year, every single day. Oh, sorry, not video, podcast, every single day. And it boomed my podcast. Then I was doing four podcasts a day. Dude, if you flood your niche or your industry with your content, you will win. This quote, do, do, do you find it, can I be honest? It, is there a fine line between quantity and quality or would you go for more quantity? Like in terms of, obviously it's still quality content, but is it no, finding that like, kind of fine line? Yeah. No, no, dude. Like if, if you truly believe what you have to say is of value to somebody yeah. and they're going to be like, wow, this, yeah. this guy knows his shit. You win. You could record it in your iPhone, dude. You could sit on the toilet and record it. And people would still listen because they want that information. If, who's yeah. like, if, Tony, if Tony Robbins phoned you from the John, right? And he's sitting there and he's like, he's like 12 minutes into like, <laughs> you know, his, his nightly poo. You'd be like, dude, I don't care what you're doing. I need that info because you are golden, right? So what I do is I, I know what I talk about. And let me tell you this, right? And this is how confident I am. You asked me at the beginning of this podcast, you want me to go over what I want to ask you? I said, no, absolutely not. If I, and, and, and the same thing, if I, do, I do interviews with TV, radio, magazines. They say, we're going to send over the questions. I said, please don't. I said, why? But I said, because if I can't answer the questions you want to ask me, why on earth are you asking me my opinion on the topic? I need to know everything about the thing you're asking me. I know what I want to talk about. My head is full of stuff. Why do you think I wrote a book in two weeks? I knew everything I needed to put down in the book. I just had it in my head. The difference is we, we, we think too much about, whoa, dude, you already have the next hundred episodes of your podcast in your head, right? Record yeah. every single one of them. Take, I, would do, dude, like, I would book two days off work and just record everything you possibly can. Yeah. The only thing, like, because at the minute it's all with guests and stuff. Um, I don't really do ones. I mean, I should, I should, I, it's, a, it's, it's interesting because my podcast started off within food allergies, but this year it's actually moving away from that and, and breaking the stigma of like other conditions or whether it's breaking mental health. Um, the reason I did that is because for me, it got to a point where, I I felt like I was repeating the same stories. So I felt yeah. like it was getting a bit repetitive. And number two is that um, I I got more more excited speaking to guests who maybe yeah. not necessarily have a food allergy, but they've got a really interesting story to tell. Yeah. So for me, it got that it got that it got that passion back, and I was like, oh, because now I'm like, I'm speaking to people I probably would have never got the opportunity to speak to before, but it's opened up my eyes to their yeah. world. Uh, and for me, that's super exciting space to be in. That. Dude, I would say your your weekly anchor podcasts or videos are going to be the interviews. And I would do a podcast every day, a short one, a 15 minute uh, like power up episode where you're giving your thoughts on maybe uh, the things you've seen in the news about food allergies, something you've seen uh, talking to a friend about food, something you've seen about breaking a stigma on anything. Dude, let me tell you something. If you uploaded a podcast or a video or a TikTok or a fucking, I don't know, a blog every day for a year consistently, on a topic in your niche and you really did it, you would never have to work a typical job again in your life. That's interesting. If you, right? if yeah. you committed to every day doing that, yeah. honestly. So uh, people like people saying like, how much videos do you, uh, do you upload a, a week? I'm like, I don't know, what's four times seven? You know what I mean? Like I do every single yeah. day on YouTube. Do I actually do more on YouTube? I actually, sometimes I'm holding five videos a day on YouTube. Like, is, is, is most of your money, is it partly... What in terms of like ad revenue, the the courses, is it like fairly split now between YouTube and and your other kind of businesses on the side? Yeah, I'd say actually my my businesses outside of YouTube earn more than YouTube do, and the reason is because if you if you rely on on traffic you don't own to generate revenue and that turns off, <laughs> you're fucked. But so I so I, I convert all my traffic into traffic I control and I own. And then I can create a mailing list, right? Autismhacks.net. Download a free Autism Life Hacks PDF book right now. You can do it for free. I get your email address. You win. You get the book. I get your email address. You're now my audience. And that's how I do it. That's exactly how I do it. And you should do it too. If you don't have a mailing list already with a lead magnet and you're leaving money on the table, dude. And then with that mailing list, obviously, then you can use that to obviously sell your courses, but also for like paid Reach ads people. as well in terms of... Yeah, hundred percent. More importantly than that, dude. Imagine you. Imagine you said to somebody, "Hey, uh, say you had five thousand people who opened your mailing list every week, right?" And you said to a sponsor, "Hey, Gymshark or Prime, for instance, fucking this shit." You're like, "Hey, Prime, yeah, the drink, yeah." Sponsor my sponsor my channel, right? A thousand bucks for this week, 
and I can guarantee you get 5,000 views on it. And they go, how'd you do that? You can't do that through social media because it could change the algorithm tomorrow and it'll, you get your ass kicked. But you could send the video out to 5,000 people on your email and say, check this out. And they go, all right, I watch every week. So why wouldn't I watch this one? Boom. So you win every time when you own the audience, you win. That's business one yeah. dude. It's annoying because I've, I've, I've known this for so long about the mailing list. I've just not really put any like much effort into it. And it's frustrating because it has, it has been on the agenda of just... Yeah. <laughs> Make a priority in one for tomorrow, dude. I, I'm the same, dude. Like I have a mail, I have thousands of people. I, I had to take mm. 20,000 people off my mailing list because they were people who weren't opening my regular newsletters. I don't care. I don't want them there. If they're not opening my stuff, if they're not reading, if they're not getting anything from it, I don't want them there. No point. Yeah. Having them there. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, and but I'm the same, like I'm not sending out as much content on that. That's my next dominant plan. That was exactly what I was writing a plan for today while I was on my treadmill this morning. Yeah. So yeah. No, that's incredible. And I, I kind of want to finish it on, obviously we've touched upon it anyway, but kind of the YouTube channel, um, that must be so fulfilling obviously to kind of build that kind of audience and that community and obviously give value as well. It's the most uh, incredible thing I've ever done, I think, um, because what I have is I have an influx of people on the DMs or, or like the comments or the emails saying, wow, you know, you saved my life. Like shit like that. Like there's no going, like there's nothing bigger. Like I got a buzz off right now. Or someone's like, dude, I, I have people say to me that they learn more in 40 minutes of listening to me talk than they have done in six years with a therapist. And I'm like, that's because the therapists don't talk my language. They don't talk your language. They don't talk your kid's language. I do. There's the difference. And, and by having that connection with those people, I just feel so elated. I'm like, I know that I can make a difference in their life for the better. I can improve their conditions and urge them towards an existence that they like and they're happy with. The problem with therapists is they try to put like a bandage on everything. That doesn't work. You need, you need actual action. And so the, 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 the difference between putting stuff out and seeing it benefit people, oh man, like that's, that's, that's gold for me. Like that's what yeah. gets me out of bed. Yeah, honestly, yeah. It's so fulfilling and like, any money, like when 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 you when someone sends you like a really kind of personal message and like say well, you help me get through this, or you help me get through that. Honestly, yeah, it's so fulfilling. I mean, what what's your plan for YouTube? Are you still are you still gonna keep the consistency whilst the other businesses are kind of running themselves? Hundred percent, dude. Like I yeah. I want to open more business. I want to open more YouTube channels, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to increase revenue. And the way that I'm going to do it is that I'm going to. I'm going to build the YouTube channel up to a million. When I get a million subscribers on this one, I'll build the next one up to a million and then the next one to a million. And so it's kind of like my YouTube channel is a hub and a lifeline for a lot of people. And I don't want to let them down. Consistency is king. I see it forever mm. until I die. I'll be doing YouTube. So it's not like, it's not a flash in the pan. It's something that I want, you know, my family business to be involved with, you know, helping people. And my overall pan, plan is to earn a billion dollars and, uh, or in or gross a million dollars so that I can then start to overturn the American healthcare system to making a free at the point of use healthcare system. Cause at the moment it's absolutely crazy. 52 million people can't even see a doctor when they're sick. Let alone people who die because they just got like the flu, but they can't get medication because they can't afford to see a doctor to get like, you know, I went, I was in America. I went, I, my medication was stolen from my bag. I went to see a doctor. I paid a thousand dollars to see a doctor and I paid 11 bucks for the prescription. So... <laughs> It needs yeah. a mega overhaul and it's, and that's what I'm going to do. Even with the uh, art injectors, I carry like the adrenaline EpiPens and yep. in the UK, they're like 12 pounds for two, but in the, the US, there's something oh. like $800. Oh, yeah. It's Stupid. ridiculous. It's like, it's insane. Like. Ventolin inhalers, Ventolin inhalers, the one pound, one pound 15 for Ventolin inhaler from, from manufacturing to your pocket. Right. Uh, and that's yeah. how you get it. You get consumer could buy a Ventolin inhaler for one pound 11 or one pound 15 in America that alone is 29 to 30 bucks for one of those inhalers, which is just like, what? Like, what, what yeah. are they doing? And, I, and I, kind, I kind of wanted to end it on, um, hopefully I'll end it on something a bit more positive, but I was, I was going to kind of ask about, have you received like any kind of like negativity or kind of like backlash and how you kind of, kind of respond to that and do you kind of build a bit of a, a tough skin because I remember the first time I got it I was like oh my god like um, <laughs> but I think I think now I'm trying to and get better at just being put it to to one side let me tell you there is always someone who's going to think you're a total dick whatever you do you could be Jesus and someone's going to say you're a dick right and and that's fine and I have this rule there's no such thing as a hater only somebody who needs more love so when I get a hate comment Somebody's and think about this, dude. I told you your experience of life is a hundred, like four hundred trillion to one. They're they're dying every second of every minute of every day. We're all dying, right? So we're going to get to our fourth score in twenty. We're going to be like eighty to one hundred years old. and We're going to die. When we're on our deathbeds, we're going to look back and go, 
oh man, thank God I trolled that dude on YouTube. No, they're going to go, oh man, I wish I'd have spent more time with my family and the people I love than I did on the internet talking shit, which proves to me that there is something amiss. They're reaching out for help. If someone's going out of their day to call you a douchebag, like they need some help. So so this is what I respond to. I say, hey, I am so sorry that whatever you're going through is causing you so much harm. I am here. I love you. And I will definitely help you. All you do is reach out. Nine times out of 10, they'll come back and say, dude, sorry, I was having a shit day. And I'm like, it's fine. As long as you're okay, bro. Because nobody, you don't get born and say, right, I'm going to be a dick and cause havoc on the internet. Nobody does. You have a bad day and you go and start chatting shit or your wife left you or like you just been fired from your job. So I love it. The, the more the merrier. Come and troll me because I know that you need love. Deep down, there's something seriously wrong. If you're, if you're spending your precious time on earth talking shit on the internet, there's something seriously deeply an issue here. So yeah, yeah it gives it an opportunity kill, to help someone. Kill me kindness. Like, it's always uh, Definitely the best dude. way. Like, like, Anyway, yeah, let's end it on that. Honestly, it's been incredible, um, Dan, to have you on the podcast and kind of, yeah, hear about your experiences, your upbringing and kind of everything you've been through. But also, like, I'm always fascinated about the business side of things, of like, how you got started and how obviously creating yeah. content. If anyone wants to kind of follow your journey on kind of YouTube, um, on your website, would you like to share that on the podcast? Sure. Um, so my website is theaspieworld.com. So it's T-H-E-A-S-P-I-E world.com. Or you can just get me on any and all, and I mean all, even Lemon 8 and Clapper. Yes, social media channels you've never heard of. You can just search for at the Aspie world. So t- at T-H-E-A-S-P-I-E-W-O-R-L-D. And you find me on all those. And listen, my DMs, my emails are always open. Email me, theaspieworld at gmail.com. If you've got something to say, you, I never, ever ignore anybody. Like the, people are just too far like prima donnas when it comes to YouTube. They're like, oh yeah, my team will reach out. And DM. No, I do. <laughs> Dan reaches out, man. Ask me anything you yeah. want. Yeah, that personal message. Anyway, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed the podcast. And yeah, thanks Amazing. again so much. Been my pleasure.